Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Patient Convert podcast. Decided to do some video today as well and talk about some healthcare marketing trends. There's been obviously a lot of changes, a lot of shifts that have occurred even over the last six months with the introduction of ChatGPT and all this conversation around AI and everything. Some tried and true things we're seeing still being incredibly effective, addressing them in a little bit different way as things have evolved. So I really wanted to talk about some of those trends today and how they relate to performance improvements that we see kind of day in and day out for our clients. So kind of getting right out of the gate is the SEO conversation. Kind of talking about two different sides of the medical SEO conversation, the local SEO, so those brick and mortar private practices that are out there, and then the national level SEO side of things and kind of how they are different and how they've evolved. And to get started, the local SEO side, we're really seeing content continuing to be a major, major driver of influencing rankings for private practices and driving the needle in terms of increasing visibility, driving more traffic to your website, and ultimately converting that into patient appointments. But you've really got to balance the on-page optimization and the off-page side of things. The on-page being what I just mentioned is content. Content really is the backbone to really, really good growth SEO strategy and developing consistent conditions and treatments content, physician content, and location page content is really huge, especially if you're a multi-location group. You've probably heard me talk about this, but what the major driver for a multi-location website is kind of following what I call a franchise model. What I mean by that is franchises for a long time have done a, a much better job of making the location pages for each of their individual franchise locations the primary driver of local search. Because you can't go on a treatment page and rank it for eight different location pages in geographical areas that you have, but you can do that with location pages in Google business profiles. And that's really, really key. So that's kind of the on-page side of things is consistent, strong content development. The biggest hiccup always can be, and we see this a lot even through the sales process that we go through with potential clients is content quality being a big concern. Obviously, when you're a surgical group, you want to make sure that your voice comes through that content and it's of the caliber of the surgeons, but you also have to balance with reality. You're dealing with some of the busiest people around that may not have time to be able to actually comb through and read all of this content consistently. And that can be an absolutely massive bottleneck for organizations. I mean, we're talking about multi-week or multi-month and can just kill any momentum that it, that drives SEO. And so you really have to balance that from a conversation perspective with your physicians and say, hey, we definitely want the caliber to be there, but the reality is we're writing to and call it an eighth grade reading level on average. Some like it to be even lower level in terms of sixth grade. So it's very conversational in nature. Some like it more 10th to 12th grade if you're like neurosurgery and you have a lot of technical terms that just come about naturally with your subspecialty. But either way, you got to balance that. And you got to realize it's about putting yourself in the shoes of the patient and you're not writing a peer review journal for JAMA. And a patient doesn't know what they don't know, and you're so close to it, you may not be able to see that they're not going to be searching for those types of search terms. Like they know they have knee pain, but they don't know 
what an ACL, what happens with an ACL tear or what even ACL stands for. And so really understanding that and knowing what we're going after, what the end result and the goal is, and really focusing on consistency and the content development is huge. On the other side, but we're still seeing it translate really well in local because we do a lot of it for our clients, but it's even more critical on a national scale. And the more competitive the space, the more critical it is to be doing. And that is backlink building. Backlink building is a really, really big part of the process if you want to compete on a national level. One of the biggest reasons is domain authority growth is if you're going to go after major top line level like condition and treatments rankings and compete with the John Hopkins, the Cleveland clinics, the WebMDs, the Mayo clinics, the ones that have been around for a long time, have super high influence and domain authority and have done an incredible job of building out content libraries. The only way that you're going to be able to compete in those spaces is by developing domain authority that will allow you to go toe to toe from a trust exercise standpoint through Google's lens in terms of your content strength. And that's really big. Like for instance, like we had a client entering the semiglutide space, um, Ozimbic, like all of this talk around Wagovi and all of that stuff. And so many people are jumping on that train. Well, that train is getting more and more and more competitive in nature to be able to rank for things at a local state or national level around, say, the conversation for semiglutides and what is it and how does it work and how is it different from medically supervised weight loss, traditional medically supervised weight loss or um, non-surgical fat reduction solutions, like cool sculpting, that type of stuff. And when you have like the Romans of the world that are advertising these things, you really have to be focusing on backlink building, domain authority, content length, internal linking, all of those types of things and have backlink variety as well from guest posts to in-content placements to uh, mixing up your anchor links, all our anchor text for your links, all of that type of stuff, second tier links, third tier links, all that type of good stuff. And then obviously track it because it can be not only a good SEO growth process, but it can also be a lead generator. Because if you're building backlinks on the right types of niche websites, not only will that improve the impact, but you actually should see lead generation. Because if you've got a, again, in this scenario for Wagovi, if you're on a health line or something like that, that attracts a lot of potential patient traffic and they're reading a content piece about 10 advantages of using Wagovi or using semiglutides and you have a reference point in there that backlinks to your website, there's a high probability they could click on that, come to your website, do some research, and then end up converting to, say, get a drop ship shipped injection for semiglutides, as an example. So that's a really big piece of the puzzle there from a national level standpoint. But again, we are seeing tons and tons of indicators because of the importance of backlinking that it is highly effective in a local environment. So if you are a private multi-location surgical group, and you're building content and you're pursuing SEO growth as a strategy to get more patient appointments, backlink building can be a really great way to solidify that. Again, especially the larger, the more met, the metropolitan area and the more competitive the space is, like med spas is a great example. Med spas are growing at an, an incredible clip, especially as kind of private equity and that side has come in and started investing in the growth of the med spa and aesthetic space that has really accelerated. Competition has always been probably the highest in this space because it is non-referral, it is non-insurance, and it is all cash-based. So you are just vying for that very traditional D2C, B2C 
marketplace and with household names like Botox and Cool Sculpting and all of these, it is very cutthroat. And so one of the only ways, if you're in a large metropolitan area, say like in Atlanta, and you're trying to rank for laser hair removal or chemical peels or smart lipo or whatever it may be, and you've got 25, 30 plus med spas that are all trying to win that top three SERP rankings for your, your Google business profile and organic search rankings, you're going to need backlink building and reputation management to be able to do that. And that's really, really big. And so that's another focus to not forget about for sure. Another, I think, trend that it's been around for a long time, but it still, I think, has lagged in the medical space, especially when you look at the private practice medical space. I think health systems that have more to invest in the space and can build teams around videography um, have been doing it for a while, but video is king. Everybody knows that video is definitely the preferred medium for patients to build no like and trust relationships with you as a potential provider or you as a practice about your care approach, condition and treatment information, what post-operative and pre-operative processes look like, all of that stuff. But we still are doing a really good job, I think, from a marketing standpoint of being able to create video at scale, get the providers bought in and involved in the process and use that as a tool and a mechanism to not only grow a practice, but grow social media engagement, all of that type of good stuff. And it really is critical. I mean, what we're seeing with groups that are adopting video, they're getting buy-in from providers. Again, a similar story. You're going to have a swath, say you've got 20 providers in your practice. You're always going to have that story of there would be three to five that would probably be open, at least initially, to creating video. But that's huge. I mean, even those three to five can be the ambassadors that we need to get started, to get going with the video content process. And typically others will jump on board that train once they see success and they don't want to be left behind. There's that FOMO aspect to a lot of these different components with video in particular. And like you want to be known as the hand person, the hand surgeon or the gastro surgeon or whatever it may be. And a lot of physicians. Their ego can help drive them getting involved in the video process because they don't want to be left behind. But you just need a few early adopters internally to, to make this program a success at a provider level. And it is absolutely huge if you just start out focusing on, we want for every condition and treatment page, a supporting video to go on that page, to bolster the page, increase on page time, improve SEO, add to our video content on social media and our YouTube channel, all of that stuff. And just get those specialists to do that 60 to 90 second video. And then from there, you can obviously go more in depth. You can have each section on there about the who, what, why of each of your treatments or conditions. You can do pre and post-op stuff, which will save the mid-levels and the back of the house a lot of time answering the same questions again and again, or printing out pieces of paper about like, don't eat food, don't do this, don't do that, those types of things. Uh, so much so that we even put a pause on doing social media for a while because we just saw the huge opportunity that video created and the struggle as a third-party agency to create a success environment without video as part of the game. And it was so complicated to like set up a step and repeat, set up a YouTube studio, go in person and show them how to work a camera, how to get all of that camera footage that can be very heavy from a file size standpoint over to us and like drive and then edit it, the post-production costs and all of it, it really maxed a lot of people out. 
in terms of being able to do it or the cost investment making sense without it derailing a lot of the internal processes. Again, we believed in it so much, we reintroduced social media by reintroducing a SaaS-based product called CaptureND that was really designed to just make it as easy as possible for providers and healthcare organizations to create and crank out content at scale. If you watch a lot of my LinkedIn videos that have like my, our logo, animated logo, intro, outro, music over the top, I'm using the same CaptureND tool to be able to create a ton of content every single month with a click of a button. And it's really, really big, but whether it's a tool like that, and there's a good amount of tools that are out there, or it's just setting up your own internal process to do it, video is really, really big to be focusing on and investing in for the future growth of your social media, your website, all of that stuff. As just YouTube continues to get more integrated in search. And when you look at the generation coming behind mine as a millennial, the Gen Z generation, they're saying they use TikTok. From a statistic standpoint, they use it as a search engine more than they do Google, which is crazy because it's all video. But I think that's just going to continue to be part of the conversation as you look several years down the road. Um, next up is Google Ads. Everybody knows Google Ads, but I think Google Ads is still a key, key, key trend in the healthcare advertising side of things and something that you should really be focusing on, whether you're an ophthalmology group or you're an ortho group, or you're a med spa for sure, is there is applications for Google ads all across the board. Why I love Google ads so much is the intent of a Google ads lead is very high. And what I mean by that is they're closest qualified typically on the leads platforms to booking an appointment or coming in for point of service and point of care. And that's because if they're sitting down, they're going to Google and they're searching to solve a health problem, they are in the education pipeline and the sales pipeline typically further than like pushing an ad on Facebook to somebody who's in a vicinity and they're a female between 45 to 55 who may be interested in weight loss services. If they're going on and they're looking for, again, just using semiglutides as an example, a semiglutide provider near them they're pretty highly qualified and they're really doing research at this point on reputation, proximity, care processes, all of those types of things. And you want to make sure you're winning the battle. And one of the best ways outside of organic search to do that in real time is Google ads. And Google ads has come a long way with the introduction of medical and healthcare being able to do some of their professional type ads, which has always been kind of in the lawn services, plumbing, in that space. So like chiropractors and and med spas and some of those are now starting to be able to enter that space, which anytime they roll something out like that, I highly recommend adopting or looking into testing it out for sure. The other side is Performance Max. Performance Max is really kind of all the rage right now once it comes to Google ads. It has kind of a, I think, hit and miss application in a lot of the insurance-based medical side of things because of HIPAA and what you can and can't track, especially with all the HHS stuff that has come about, which I actually just recently did a podcast and we'll be doing a lot more content on. The big issue there is performance max campaigns are really predicated on good data out, good data in, so to speak. And that's a struggle in the HIPAA compliance side of things because you can't push a ton of the PHI information that you can push from like an e-commerce website that is selling t-shirts, for example. You can take all that consumer data inside of your CRM and when a lead comes in and they ultimately buy something, you can push how much they bought, what they bought, 
their consumer information back into Google's Performance Max campaigns, and it will do an incredible job using AI and their algorithms to optimize the campaigns to find the next good potential customer fit to advertise to and do a lot of the work for you. That is all good and well, but the problem remains in healthcare. You can't take a bunch of the PHI data and say, this person got knee surgery and this is their name and email and the surgery that they got done and push that back into Google, a third party that will not sign a BAA. That is a huge no-no. So that makes performance max campaign difficult in nature because the granularity of the conversion information and the conversions that you can track have to be much more general and you can't push stuff back in near as well. So that's interesting. So you still really have to kind of roll your sleeves up and do what you can from an optimization standpoint manually to where you're allowed to in Google because they Google ads because they've stripped some of that stuff out over time and things look and feel a lot different inside of the platform. But it's something to be aware of is how do you keep first party data private? What can you and can't you push back into a third party platform that will sign a BAA like Google and Google ads? And then how do you continue to optimize as Google continues to push for kind of self AI driven optimization in a world that we can't do that. And so that's, I think, a really big trend. And even something that we've really been working on is pulling down sensitive data, PHI, can, what's considered PHI data, even to IP addresses down into more of a first party HIPAA compliant, secure environment that then you can do different things with that data from tracking to who became a patient to what you can or can't from a hash perspective, pushback and Google ads, all that type of stuff. So again, another interesting trend. And I think something that's going to evolve as we get more clarity on the HHS side into what we can and can't do, because a lot of the way that these initial things were written are extremely vague at best and live in a big gray area. And so I think over time, naturally, they will further define from a marketing standpoint, what is and isn't allowed for unauthenticated pages and authenticated pages, which is much clearer and more straightforward. Like if you have an EMR patient portal login, don't put pixels behind it, that type of stuff. Another one in the advertising side is programmatic display. Um, at a high level, programmatic, I think, is really becoming a super effective way to reach patients across multiple different content mediums in real time dynamically. And that has just tremendous application. And we are just seeing huge, huge success for clients in a ton of different industries from orthopedics to aesthetics and med spas to be able to get in front of people for a low cost, as well as use a bunch of different mixed medium and a bunch of different cross-channel platforms and omni-channel platforms to be able to bring them through the door, remarket them in a manner that you can't do on in Google ads. Like we just talked about a bunch of different applications. I'm going to do a whole separate conversation around programmatic, so I won't get too far into it for um, somebody that may not be familiar with it. Programmatic is, is kind of buying ad placements in real time across multiple different channels. So you can do what you may have heard of as OTTCTV, that's delivering video-based ads across different on-demand channels and apparatuses, but you can also do geofencing and addressable geofencing based on where people are going. You can track that back very accurately to the place of business that you're marketing for, in this case, like a clinic, urgent care, health system, that type of stuff. You can do contextual keyword advertising, which is filling in a gap that Google Ads is not. There's just so many different applications for this use. So I highly recommend looking into it. It's one of the biggest trends that's come about over the last couple of years. 
And it's just going to only kind of continue to get that much more, but it does require an investment, I think, to be the most effective into some commercial ready type videos that are totally worth it over time in terms of the ROI that you can pull out of programmatic display advertising and what we've seen for our clients. Probably last, but certainly not least, is the self-patient appointment train. A lot of EMRs and their kind of patient management platforms that have come about to serve as kind of an intermediary as we solve this kind of marketing CRM and lack of integration with EMR problem that continues to exist. There's a lot that are offering self-patient appointment. One of the big downsides to most of the self-patient appointment is the tracking and being able to put things like Tag Manager on there. Can you or can't you do that with the HS guidelines that have come out? The answer is really no, at least in terms of what you can feed back to third parties like Google Ads or Facebook or Meta Pixel, that type of stuff. But it's imperative to have. And that's, I think, the biggest trend here is I'm really encouraging, like we adopt this for majority of all of our clients, is offer self-patient appointment. It's something like 85 to 90%, and that number will keep going up, would use or will use or are using self-patient appointment apparatuses if they're offered to them. I know this is a can of worms for especially surgeons who want to kind of keep control of their clinic hours and all of that stuff. But even if you start small, like give up two hours every Wednesday when you're in clinic for patients to be able to, to self-book. It's a great way to start and it's gonna be a huge value add to the marketing team and a huge value add to the front office as well. So I highly recommend if you haven't, look for a good self-patient appointment option, preferably that can integrate with your EMR and kind of write inside of your EMR in real time, obviously. But that's, that stuff is really, really big. And last, but certainly not least, is the tracking stuff. I've talked to it several times, but all the what is evolving right now in terms of what you can and can't do from a first party to a third party with BAAs in place, so on and so forth, has, I think, either people or ignorance is bliss or they're super concerned have gone the other way of stripping all of it out. And then you're marketing blind and kind of a lot of people sit in that middle ground too of, yeah, I'm, I'm overly cautious, don't really fully understand it, what I can and can't do, all that type of stuff. I'm going to do a, a lot of content to this separate, including a webinar and another podcast and some videos. So I won't go too far in depth, but you really do need to be careful. Self-patient appointment is something they addressed specifically inside of that article. If you have it, you need to be careful what you're tracking or from the standpoint of pushing things into like Metapixel or Google ads, places that won't put a BAA in place because you can't control what they'll do with that data. And that's one of the biggest concerns out of that article. So there is first party options available, like we are even and have been working for a long time now in terms of developing SaaS based analytics solutions to track this stuff in a secure environment and be able to do a lot of granular reporting. We're ro we've been rolling that out for a while with clients to help them address this, but it's something that you need to be aware of. Listen to some of the upcoming content. I'll address it more specifically as well. That'll be really helpful as things continue to evolve in this space. And I had one more trend that I wanted to address. Oh, self, self pay. That's the other big one is self pay is growing, especially in the insurance space. But the same thing goes for med spas and aesthetics is med spa and aesthetics. You can productize a lot of your services. You already have, but most of that's done with patient appointment requests. The patient comes in, you do an eval, and then they pay for point of care for like Botox or something like that. But you can, you can enable e-commerce and again, track a lot of amazing information as well as self-serve 
and productize your website by introducing e-commerce. But this also has, I think, huge growing implications in the insurance-based side, because as the whole insurance world has devolved and deductibles are going up, people are a lot more incentivized to look for quality care and also negotiate cash pay or self-pay rates. And with that, you, that becomes an opportunity to productize or at least streamline from an e-commerce standpoint different things inside of your practice, like say an orthopedic group for ortho urgent care visits, imaging and x-ray or CT scans, even all the way to different surgeries. And so I think it's really important to start considering how are you addressing the self-pay side of things? And like we're developing e-commerce platforms for different subspecialties and surgical groups for them to be able to address this and streamline it, take the burden off of their billing in front office and allow the patient to be able to purchase things in real time versus having to handle all of that stuff or just turn away self-pay altogether, which can be five to 10% of your patient base potentially. So it's another big thing to keep in mind and to looking into the future address because it opens up a whole nother world of marketing to address this whole entire growing swath of patients that are looking for self-pay information, good faith estimates, all that type of stuff. So I hope you enjoyed our trends conversation today. There's a lot of exciting things that are changing. I didn't even get into all the chat G GPT and the really cool AI stuff that is being adopted and should be adopted because it's really amazing stuff and what the implications of that mean. So we'll get into some of these things or expand on some of the trends that we talked about today. But as always, thank you so much for listening. As I did mention, we have rolled out a video content tool called Capture MD as in medical doctor. So if you go to capturemd.io, go check it out. 14 day free trial. You can create unlimited video for 99 bucks a month. You can't beat it. And it's literally takes you under 90 seconds to create social media ready video. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out our website and connect with me on LinkedIn. And we will see you on the next episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Thank you for listening to today's latest episode of the Patient Convert Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on your favorite podcast platform. We are on Apple, iTunes, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify, or you can sign up to receive the latest episode via email. Just check it out on my agency website or my personal website. And if you are looking for more amazing healthcare marketing information or just to engage, check us out at entropy.com. And for any of my amazing physician liaisons out there interested in growing their physician referrals or learning the strategy strategies that it takes to build highly engaged physician referral networks. Check out my website, kellynot.com, where I have free webinars, free downloads, and of course, my online physician liaison training course, Physician Liaison University. And as always, I'm a huge believer in connecting, engaging, and supporting one another. And the best way we can do that is networking. And I always, always connect with you guys on social media. And one of my biggest social media platforms is LinkedIn. So feel free to connect with me there on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter at Kelly Knott. And thank you guys again for listening to the Patient Convert Podcast with your host, Kelly Knott.